This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Blue wire. The Philadelphia 76ers select Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. Here comes Simmons between the legs. Embiid! Hey everybody, what's up? It's Kyle from the New Slant Podcast. This week, we're doing a special collaboration with our friends Darian and Cliff over at the Sixers and Six SI6 Podcast. Our podcast, as always, being brought to you by our friends at Bet Online, as well as some new friends at TheraOne and with NFL Sunday Ticket. So, thank you to them for supporting this combo podcast between myself, Seamus, and, and two of our friends. And we hope you guys enjoy this special episode. What's up, everybody? I'm here with some very special guests for a very special episode, collaborative episode of the New Slant podcast and the Sixers and Six podcast, the SI6 podcast. I'm not sure what the exact branding is, but I'm here today with my friends, Darian, Cliff, and Seamus. If you guys all want to say hello at the same time and make this as jumbled as possible, I think that's probably... The best way to start this off. How's everybody doing? Doing well. Doing good. I'll, I'll jump in. I knew that was going to happen. New he tried to speak before me because he thinks he's the face of our podcast. So I wanted I have, to jump I have in proof first. That I'm the face. Uh, I'm the leader of the, the six podcast. The, <laughs> the um, basically the brain trust and brain power behind the actual slogan itself too. So nice to meet you, folks who don't know who I am. Darian, follow me. DMay seventy six. What's up, guys? The real face of the, this SI6 podcast, Cliff Notes. Y'all may know me as um, at underscore yo Cliff on Twitter. Um, excited to be here for our first joint pod. Do these happen often? Are these like a thing? Well, now they are. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, we've never done one. We've had, uh, I don't, uh, we've had like maybe one or two guests ever. So <laughs> I this is like a very special moment. That, I interviewed the guy that did the tank into the top book one time just me and him i think that was the only really guest we had though so and we had our friend roy burton on to talk uh 2001 sixers at one point so that's quarantine two total guests in about a almost a year of podcasting so you guys are it's big big time so we pie we pioneer joint podcasting exactly everybody heard it here first yeah yeah, so the the ringer or somebody else probably gonna steal our eyes. Start a website that has both sports and pop culture content. Nobody has ever thought of it before. It's, I'm with it. It's genius. So uh, tonight or today, this morning, whenever you guys are listening to this, we are recording this on Tuesday, about 7 p.m. on the East Coast. Dar- or Cliff, I'm not sure where you're at. I know Darian is out west, so. 
we record this after a game one that I don't really know how to describe it. It's <laughs> like a disaster, a disaster in some ways. It was closer in some ways than maybe it should have been. Uh, does anyone have any snap reactions or people they want to fire that aren't named Brett Brown as we get started here? It's a winnable disaster. <laughs> the disaster they should have won. Mm, I don't know. Ah, uh, you know what? No, I'll, you know I'll wait. I'll wait until we get deeper into it. No, get no, no, no. If you got, if you got some takes, if you want to come out guns Fire blazing, now's the time. It's uh, all right. <laughs> Joe, Joe is Joe. Joe, man, he's starting to like uh, piss me off a little bit because even though I understand that. He's the focal point of the team, star of the team, the only person that we really have right now because Ben is out. That that rebound, that Tatum rebound over him in the last, what, 50 seconds, I think it was, that just – I just don't – it's a lot of times where I don't see, like, him put effort forward, even though he may be tired, which I'm getting tired of that excuse too. But it's just a lot of times where he just doesn't show the effort that you would want, like, one of your star players to show, like, they actually, you know, want it. And I don't get that from Ben a lot either, but – it's just something that I'm just I just noticed and I'm getting a little tired of it. But that's that's my other that's my only take other than get Brett Brown out of here and then finish <laughs> us in four so he so he can get the show on the road. So Cliff, I, you bring that up and I want to kind of kick this to everybody and see if my view as like the quote unquote objective guy, which is bullshit, but you know that's <laughs> I have to carry that mantle. Um, I, I wrote last night. For a team that is supposed to be built around bully ball and this idea that they're just going to be bigger than everybody and that's the way they're going, they're like they're zigging while everybody else is zagging. They don't fucking play like a bully ball team. Like they 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 won the rebounding battle last night, but it was mostly because Boston just put up way more shots because of the turnovers. And you have guys like Robert Williams who. Joel should go through like he's made out of paper mache, just like blowing by him while he's standing flat-footed for offensive rebounds. That play you brought up, Cliff, with uh, with Tatum getting that rebound. And they just lose all these 50-50 plays that, you know, even if they're not given max effort, a team with that sort of size should just by, like, force of will be able to come down with those. And so I, I just – it's fucking baffling – and, and, like, Boston is that kind of team. Marcus Smart, I know that he's, like, you guys all probably hate that dude. That dude does not give up a fucking inch on the basketball court. Like, you could say all kinds of things about him flopping and whatever, but that's more the identity of the Celtics is kind of who the Sixers want to be to an extent. I think if you just look around the league, right, and the playoff teams, all the other teams play with, like, a different fire, a different passion, a different intensity – whether like they like each other or not, you can tell it like they want to win for one another. The Sixers just don't give off that type of aura. They like Tatum called us fucking scrappy. Like that's just so <laughs> disrespectful. <laughs> like tussle your hair and say, yeah, Good job, yeah. Like, that's like you think of T.J. McConnell yeah, when you hear yeah, that word. Yeah. You remember me? I used to change a diaper when you were like five years old. Type <laughs> shit. It was just. <laughs> and then like after, I can't believe I tweeted this. Like I was like. Al inspired me, whatever. I was like, oh, I, I fucking believe this in the team for a quick second when he got the rebound and he went back that up and he screamed. Point. He didn't score a point. Yo, that's the loudest minus 18 that anybody's ever had. He screamed on one of his three buckets. And it's like, even the Celtics were like, what the fuck are you doing? 
it's just, I don't know. The fire's not there. The passion's not there. Um, and I'm looking at, like, even our two superstars, let's, let's say that they're healthy. They need to play a different way. When you look around the league, like, you don't, I don't think that we have two guys that can just take over a game in the last two minutes. Like, we can trust. And B can do it, but he's, it's not proven. I've, we've, rarely, we've seen Ben do it, like, once or twice um, in, like, games of non-importance. So just like I just I don't know we feel out of place and like I feel like we're plateauing, um, and it's fucking depressing. The window feels over before it began in a way. It, it's here's what I'll say after watching that game and, and thinking back. I was talking to Darian about this before the podcast started a little bit. You know, you look at that 2018 series and. I think people looked at them as, you know, it's a team on the rise and they should have beat that Celtics team that's undermanned. And a lot of that I would put on Brett that year and just the rest of those guys being young and whatever. But in the two years since, Joel is not a fundamentally different player than he was in that series. And, you know, you could give Ben credit for he has gone from kind of an apathetic defender to like, an all defense type guy and that is that's a real sign of improvement but if you look across at the other team and you look at Jalen Brown is now like a 38 39 percent shooter a a, a legitimate pull-up threat Jason Tatum shoots fucking 40 percent on pull-up threes now and the way that these guys have improved their games now maybe they started from a lower point than than Ben and Joel from a like a pure talent standpoint but you know, if these guys want to win titles and they're going to have the team built around them, they have to make that same sort of progress. It doesn't have to be in the same way, but they have to be superstars. And they, they just aren't. that They are not that type of player at, on a consistent level at this point in their careers. Now, does that if – you, if you really look at that, does that come down to culture, like a culture thing? Because if you, if you really look at it, Ben and Embiid are – highly um highly touted in the nba world that which like a lot of people look at them and say hey they've already made it and i think that they've they've taken that to where to their heads where we've are we we already made it when they haven't won shit now with tatum and jalen brown jalen brown got a lot of slander tatum got a lot of slander where they had to improve their games because a lot of people weren't calling them stars yet so they become stars whereas in ben and b came into the league where oh they're already stars so they walk around and act like it to where they think they've made it already in where they think they don't have to improve their games. They can say it all they want. Like, I'm, I'm like, I'm tired of the, the Embiid, it's on me, cliche answer after every big loss. He says like, it all the time. It, it's like, I, I totally get it. It's like, it's I'm, t- I'm tired of it. So, like, is it like, is it like a, is it like a culture thing? Like, does the, does the, does <clears throat> upper management, like, treat them like, they're superstars already. Like we need, I feel like we need somebody to tell them like y'all aren't shit yet. Y'all have not won anything. So like, why do y'all walk around and act like y'all? I I get it. Y'all like y'all two time all stars. Cool, fine. I think Joe. Wait, Joe was two or three. three. I, I I think it's eighteen, three. nineteen, twenty. Yeah, three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like I don't know. I feel like it's a culture thing. And then it, where Jalen Brown Tatum had to like basically get it from get it from the muscle get it from the ground and then you know build up even though Tatum was the um, the third overall pick it's like and and Brown was four yeah Brown I think Brown was four but it's like they got slandered and then Embiid and Ben didn't start getting really getting slandered until this season so I don't, I don't know. Well, you know I here Seamus you go and then I'll 
See if I can. So, just in comparison of the two organizations where we see Brown and Tatum have taken leaps that we really haven't seen from Embiid in, in the last two years since that Celtics series, it just starts from the top. Celtics have better ownership than Josh Harris. Danny Ainge is a better GM than Elton Brand. Brad Stevens is far better of a coach than Brett Brown. And at this point, Jason Tatum is an equivalent star as a you know guy that's in that top 8 to 15 range, however you want to put it. To where Embiid is, and I think Simmons is, you know, just a few clicks beyond there. Where everyone in that organization, even the guys that aren't on the court, are maximizing the talent of the players on the court. And I think it, it's a culture thing that stems from the organization. It's not just Brett, but I put some of the culture, the apathetic nature, the you know, I think he gets walked over by the two of them. That's on Brett. But when there's incompetence at the top, there's competence in the front office. It just spews onto the court. Yeah, I don't think you can disconnect anything here, right? Like, Brett doesn't get off scot-free because he's the guy who's been around the longest. He's the one who establishes the culture. And, like, a lot of people let him off for this. And maybe, definitely not you guys, but, like, Brett <laughs> did have personnel control and, and to some degree yeah. during that really pivotal summer when they make the Mikhail Bridges-Zaire Smith trade. And, mm. like... He, like, even if they want to say, which, you know, I don't know that I believe this, even if they want to say that he gets removed from personnel stuff after that, that's a huge thing. Having a, a non-entity player in Zaire Smith instead of Mikhail Bridges, who's out here guarding Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and guys like that in the bubble, that's a big deal, even independent from, you know, the coaching stuff and the culture stuff. You see it reach a point where Brett publicly challenges Ben this winter and goes i want to see a three a game and ben basically turns his back and says no fuck that i'm not doing that and that's like up to that point i think there was plausible deniability that like brett still had some level of command with the locker room and with the stars specifically you can't say that after that that is your one of your two best players saying I don't care what you have to say. And that's a big deal. And then you get into all the, like, the front office is still here from the Colangelo regime outside of Colangelo. That's a big deal. The, but to me, the thing that maybe we don't talk about enough, and I guess is my big sticking point, is these guys have just not improved enough and wanted to improve enough on their own. And I think, like, you know, there was always some reservation with Joel early on. There were early reports from some of the people covering the team at the time. Like, you know, he's out of shape. He's this, he's that. And there were excuses for him back then. Like he had a death in the family that, you know, you can sympathize for him, how that impacts his career and all that, all the injuries he had to deal with. And there are excuses back then, but we're seeing the same plateauing and like the product of the concerns people had back then like does this guy want to be great he has the talent that he can be very good all the time and great sometimes but unless he wants to be that guy that he wants to actually be the Olajuwon type that he's compared to they're not going to go any further than they've made it the last few years because right now and I don't know where you guys stand on this he's just not a number one option contending team type guy. He he is not there yet, and Ben is way far away from that. To piggyback on that, Kyle, it's like um, I feel like me and Cliff, like it's like a fucking broken record. We say this every Sunday. I like Brett Brown for a handful of reasons, but I also think like a lot of people um, 
like I, but I do agree that he should be let go. But a lot of people don't you know give the the real reasons behind it. And you know, I think you named a few of them. It's like, but he's been there from the beginning, and like he's kind of it's more so family with Brett. That that's that his style, that the way he coaches, and the way he manages that group. It's with 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 Joel and Ben. It's more of like a father type deal. He didn't know how to discipline these guys. He's been there with with Joel through and through through all the you know depression, all the you know the. He lost his little brother. He he went through the the, the no, numerous injuries and he couldn't play and he was kind of just down on himself. Uh, same thing with Ben. Um, and so I think he didn't know how to how to whip these guys into shape because they're just they feel like they're equals. They feel like they've kind of started this thing together. Um, and it's okay. Like if I feel like it's run its course. Like it happens. And I, I don't think like if you look at the, the Pelicans, like they had their player dev got, player dev coach and and Gentry Gentry, and it's kind of run its course. And now they're looking to that next. Uh, plateau. They have their superstar. They need to build on that. They need another coach to kind of come in and talk to them. I think Brett isn't that guy to take Bennett and B to the next level because clearly they aren't the superstars that can motivate themselves. So you need a you need a coach that can come in and kind of light that fire. I just, I just genuinely don't think Brett is that guy. And even in New Orleans, I don't think the guy who gets hired after Gentry's the title coach either. Like Zion's going to be in year two next year. Right. Generally, like yeah, they're going to get somebody who they think can work with him better, but. The, it, in this case with Brett in Philadelphia, like I don't think he was ever hired with the expectation like this it's, guy's coming in to coach this tanking team and then also be the title winning coach. I, I think their talent made it seem early that hey maybe that's possible. But see that's you know, my that's issue. That's not Kyle. how it works. That's my issue though, Kyle, because with the Sixers we wait so long to diagnose the problem, and now it's like year five six with Brett as mm-hmm. as opposed to Zion's first year rookie year they know gentry's not the guy and they're pulling the cl- pull, pulling the plug but like Seamus said like we have terrible management Elton's not the guy he played for brett so he probably has some emotions tied in there as well so he can't just kind of cut you know cut the dead cut cut the dead meat so it's like it's it's a weird spot because that organization's just so fucked at the top <laughs> yeah i think there's you said a difference it, not me. <laughs> between wanting some hard ass oh, yeah. tom thibodeau head coach and wanting someone that has some sense of accountability for the two most important people in the organization or some sense of even a backbone when it comes to delineating what those players are going to be doing on the court, what stylistic choices they're going to be changing. We're having the same issues as we did in 2018 with, you know, Joel Embiid just getting swiped and swiped and swiped by the Boston guards on every single double team down the court. We had the same issue with Ben not shooting three-pointers, even though, Ben, uh, as we said earlier, Brett publicly calls him out and it's like, oh, he's going to shoot one a game. And dude, everyone at the time that has, you know, a freaking clue is like, dude, no, he's not. He doesn't like, he's not going to listen to what you say because you were friends with his dad. You know, like, I think even that's part of the thing where like, oh, it even adds to Darian's thought of this is this family atmosphere. And I think that works when you're trying to build a program and you have all these developmental people and you want to say like, we're going to try to build something together. We have all these, you know, young undrafted people we have these robert covingtons we have our high draft picks we're mixing these all the people together we want to you know have them be proud to be a part of the 76ers as we're coming from you know a 10 win team to you know a 45 52 win team and i think that shit just run its course it's 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 not what they need it's they're not necessarily need to be a family they need to be a team that you know makes the third round of the playoffs I don't, that's, I, I, y'all hit all y'all hit all the points that I was going to hit because I'm just waiting for us to get into the stupid ass roster that we had. So I'm just. <laughs> 
From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore. So everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Wurslin, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary TheraGun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic but still contain up to 30% filler and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic grown in the US and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. And now, through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to TheraOne.com slash BlueWire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at TheraOne.com slash BlueWire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to TheraOne.com slash BlueWire. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. If you know me, if you know me at all, you know I am a gigantic NFL fan. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss out on your favorite teams and favorite players. I'm a huge fantasy guy. I'm a huge Red Zone guy. I live and die by the Eagles. I love the NFL, every aspect of it. So, you know I'm taking up Sunday Ticket on this offer. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. 15%. That's a ton for Sunday Ticket. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Right, so here, I, here's how I'll, I'll, we'll talk about the roster a little bit. I, so I know that you guys are like the number one uh, Neto haters on the internet, and that's like perfectly fine. Uh, like I think he's like a whatever bench guard, and on a better team, on a better constructed team, he's just like a non-entity, and he ends up playing minutes on this team because it's so fucked up. Which isn't fair. And I think... It's yeah, just, it's right. Not like it's not he, it, and that's the thing with most professional athletes that become like the source of people's anger. It's not really their fault. It's no. like in Al Horford's case, it's not his fault that he got paid way too much money. It's not Tobias Harris's fault that the Sixers gave him 180 million dollars. But you know, they get all the anger that should be directed at the front office. But the Neto stuff is so funny because, like, you know, Alec Burks is not like he is much better than Neto. But Alec Burks is like a basketball player. Is like he's all right. Like he's not some. He's not like fucking Oscar Robertson out there. Like he's he's got all kinds of problems with creation and setting guys up. And like on a on a well constructed team, Alec Burks is that like you know somewhere between your sixth to eighth man who doesn't have to carry a lot of responsibility. He's an instant offense guy that you know on some nights he might not play at all. He might just be a guy that. The coach sees he doesn't have it, and you say, all right, you're sitting your ass on the bench, and 
somebody else to carry us. But their roster is so screwed up, and they have so few guards on this team that Alec Burks is now like, yo, you got to play crunch time, dude. And that's just like, that's not that's not it in, in any way. I saw it's people not, clamoring him for him fair. to start. <laughs> no. Well, and that's not a crazy idea either. Like, it's not, but like once he starts, <laughs> where are the other points coming from? it's a a fair point like this roster is screwed bro like if he starts we have no points coming off the bench now we barely have points in the starting lineup so he's gonna bring those points in the starting lineup they're gonna go to the bench we're not gonna score at all on top of when Embiid goes to the bench we can't put the ball in the basket or do anything coherent on the floor we have one competent guard, and then it makes it feel like he's Clyde Drexler out there or something. We're like, we need to give this guy like every touch, every minute on the court when, as Kyle said, he's a 7th, 8th man on a legitimate title contender, a legitimate, you know, 55-60 win team. Well, and I blame the Sixers. Like, they they make us crazy. Yeah. Like, why why am I devoting so much time to hating, <laughs> to hating Neto and, you know, saying that Burke should be, you know, initiating the offense even though he's not good at because we don't have any options like that's what's been placed before us as fans like you know what it is like you felt you have to you have to talk about something and you have to uh you know direct your anger towards somebody and neto uh and sometimes, it was, sometimes it was mcconnell sometimes it's josh richardson who it's all the time josh who decides richardson. to play basketball dude, once dude. every three weeks <laughs> Basketball Twitter lied to me about that guy. I thought he was like Covington with actual off, like actual creation, and this guy freaking stinks. He's like, if, if you didn't tell me like anything that happened between him before the 2019-20 season, I would have thought he was just like another you know rando process guy off the scrap heap. <laughs> nah, he's really he's really bad. And then I, I I you know I see a lot of people saying like you know it's roster construction. He doesn't really fit, especially without Ben. But I don't care. Bro, he like he dribbles with his head down. He's a guard. He, How's yeah, he not like, fit? He a lot of weird shit that I don't like. He shoots sideways. It's just a lot of things are just starting to like get on my nerves. I want everybody gone for some weird reason. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I want everybody gone. I'll, let me ask you guys this, and this bothers the shit out of me. Why do when free agents come here they get worse, and then when you know guys leave, obviously like, you're going to progress as you get older. They get better. I just feel like that's a constant theme. For Philadelphia, well, look, that's again. What's the common denominator here? Yeah, <laughs> I can't. Brett put Brown my has on to it. make better use of guys, like straight up. He has to figure out ways because, like, Alec Burks is not doing anything now that he was not capable of when he first got here. But he looks much better now because they're running, they're doing stuff that's very basic, like running more pick and rolls and giving him the ball more, and not asking him to like run through handoffs or just stand in the corner. Or do stuff that he can't do. They had some of this problem, and it was a much bigger problem last year with Tobias, where, you know, he in LA, now the team wasn't great in LA. It was like they were pretty good last year. But in LA, he's got a lot of freedom. He's able to run pick and rolls, and he's able to, you know, settle into a rhythm because he's getting more volume on those touches. Whereas here, Jimmy's got the ball, and Ben's got the ball, and Joel's got the ball, and it ends up like, okay, Tobias, you basically got to make like eight corner threes a game and that's going to be your role on this team and they don't let him do the stuff that actually made him so valuable or at least appear so valuable when he's with the Clippers and like that's what ends up happening here and I I think a lot of it is on the coach and and not developing a, a system or like catering to guys I think a lot of it too though is on both Ben and Joel as like these inflexible pieces that you know they are good enough to deserve those touches and have the world sort of 
revolve around them. But when you're trying to play out of the post so much and they're occupying the paint, that like it does make life difficult for all sorts of different players. And so they they simply have to be better and that's gonna make other guys better too. So I have I have two questions. Well, I have one statement and a question, so I'll start with the statement. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll start with the statement. So I I do believe that uh well actually no, no, it's two questions. Now ah, yeah, I fixed it. All right. So do you guys think that we went into win now mode way too early because that's what I believe. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Second question. If you look at the Sixers, what is their style of play? Can anybody tell me? They don't have one. They lead the league in post-ups. And they have no identity. <laughs> that's it. Well, I, and love that, how, I love how the announcers spin that, like, they lead the league in post-up points. I was like, yeah, because no one else posts up. They're the only team who posts up. Of course they lead the league in post-up points. <laughs> they lead the league in post-up points because Horford and Joel are both posting on the same possession on the same side of the floor. That is, like, seeing that stuff, I can't imagine how you guys feel watching that at home. Like, you know, I'm I'm just trying to look at it from a holistic, like, analysis point of view. And I'm imagining you guys coming home from, like, long day at work you're like settling in you pour yourself a drink you're getting excited like man i'm getting a little optimistic you you throw all the bullshit out the window the playoffs are starting and then within the first half we got double post-ups and like 10 turnovers and it's and you know the same old thing go ahead cliff it wouldn't be bad right so look it wouldn't be bad if they were just doing it on accident Joel will go down and post up, and I will literally look him dead in his eyes and be like, you know what? <laughs> That's I'm a good idea. It's Al Horford time. <laughs> like, nobody, Al Horford. It's Al Horford time. And he'll go post up right behind Joe. What do you do? He did the same thing with Ben earlier in the season. Somebody asked me if the picture, because I sent the picture in one of my, uh, my basketball group chats on Twitter. Somebody said, nah, that's got to be Photoshopped. <laughs> like, I genuinely do not believe that we can you or a championship team can be built around a um a big in this era and i well and i'm saying this i don't think you can win a championship without having a player who can hit clutch shots from the perimeter so i never yeah and i I don't think we we, obviously we don't have that so we don't have a chance in hell uh in my opinion it's like because we don't have a guy who can just like our clock's winding down 10 seconds left in the game ben's pulling up from 30 no (laughs) you don't want joella doing it because he's going to get He's he's gonna turn the ball over as soon as a double team comes, you know deer light or deer in headlights. So it's like I don't. <sighs> it was I'm, Jimmy. That it was, was that Jimmy. Was the, it was they Jimmy. had a one year title window, and they lost because they had Greg Monroe as their fucking backup big man. <laughs> Forgot about Greg. <laughs> Poor Greg Monroe. He didn't he didn't do nothing to nobody. <laughs> None of the players ever do. He ruined the Sixer season. He did a lot. <laughs> Remember in the Toronto in the Toronto game where he got the ball in the corner and Ben cleared out somebody just so Greg Monroe can shoot it? <laughs> like Ben, you cannot ever defer to Greg Monroe. I don't care. You can't do well, it. Well, so while we have, while we're on the topic of Jimmy, I want to just we have to focus on him for a second that because hurts. you know even though we all agree that. They probably cashed in too soon. They tried to win now too soon. When they did, and even with the, like, for whatever you think about Markel Fultz, and I know we all have had lots of varying opinions on him I over love the Kel. years. I love Kel. So those two got, like, those acquisitions, the trade up to get Fultz and the trade for Jimmy Butler are driven by the same instinct. It's we need a scoring guard 
a guy who can also play make, a guy who fits into this defense, like Markel, big long dude for point guard, Jimmy, like a bigger guard. He's more of a wing than a guard at this point in his career. Like they're on to the same thing there that we needed this guy who's going to round out the skill sets of Ben and Joel and is going to assume a lot of the responsibility that we don't think those guys can take or in Joel's case just can't take you're not asking him to bring the ball up the floor and initiate the offense that's that's not going to happen so they understood like at least from my view they seemed like they understood what they needed those two guys are trying to achieve the same thing when you bring them in now whether like Jimmy Butler was the guy or not like good enough to be the title winning player or whatever I guess that's up for a debate, but to then pivot out of that, like once Jimmy says, fuck this shit, I'm going to Miami. I don't want to be here. Okay. But how do you pivot into, we're going to pay Al Horford $109 million. <laughs> it just, it doesn't make sense. And it goes against the, like the same front offices planning. They're the same, like their vision. They are just like, well, screw all this shit that we did previously. We're just going to, we're doing something totally new. And it ended Basically, exactly as you would have expected. I wish you could see Seamus' face. Yeah. <laughs> just like every like just fucking. <laughs> Bro, but do they do they like do they consult with Embiid and Ben like before they make that move? There's no way. There's no way they talk to either There's one no way before they, talk they to make Joel. that move. There's like, no how way. does Joel find out about this? He get a Woj notification? Does the team tell? Like, hey, dude, we just signed a guy to a hundred million dollars. He plays the same position as you. Like, and it's crazy. happy fucking happy fucking Saturday. <laughs> We talked about this last week, Cliff. Like, Joel was, like, infatuated with guys like McConnell, Reddick, and, and Butler. And how, how do you go back, like you said, against what you believed in and building a team around Joel and keeping him happy because you know he's so he's one day he's up, one day he's down. You finally have guys in the locker room who can keep him up. Um, and then you just pivot. And it, all, it, it sucks, too, because, shit, Markell actually had a great game today. Uh, Jimmy yeah. had a great game today. And we could use literal, literal those two, those two skills. Jimmy sets. had a very classic, like Jimmy Butler in the playoffs game. Yeah, what, like 25, 26 points? I think he had five and five, two yeah. huge right. threes. That he doesn't shoot threes now, and he double made, digits in the fourth quarter carried their offense. Like that, that's who TJ Jimmy Warren. Butler is. That's you know that nothing that he did against Indiana is anything new. Like it's not like they would have been caught by surprise by this. I, so I, I, that's the thing I just don't get. I, I think like, you know, Jimmy leaving, there are a lot of conflicting things I've heard internally about whether they could have got him to stay, whether he wanted to, whether they were offering him whatever, et cetera, et cetera. But like the thing where they really screwed up is the, the pivot. You, you can't pay Al Horford that money. And to your guys' point, and Joel just brought this up on JJ Reddick's podcast recently. He's like, he was sad at the start of this year. He's like not enjoying basketball. And he has this understanding that he's probably not going to have a partnership like the one he had with J.J. Redick. Like, there's you always want to hear that from their star that he's never right, going like, to like playing with anyone how, else ever. Again. How do you end up there? That's ridiculous. And I appreciate the transparency, Joel, but yeah. I'm sorry. Shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're making all this fucking money. And like for you to come out and say, yeah, like – Philly fans, you know, we we I we genuinely do understand you at this point. I think we have a good relationship, but like it shouldn't take us for booing you to be like, "Oh, I, I love the game again." No, bro, you're a professional athlete. You have to love it. You you were the leader of this team skill-wise, talent-wise. I'm not sure what kind of vocal leader he is, but like, bro, 
you're the best talent on this team. It shouldn't take a bunch of schmucks in you know the 400 section booing you uh, for you to get get up for a game. Like we're over, we're past that. That's another thing. Like who's the leader? Do we even do we have a vocal leader? I don't think it was, it was people James said Innes. it was. People it was said Innes. Covington too before he was gone in the 2018 season as someone who had been through you know oh, yeah. the fire of the process. People looked at him. People looked at Dario as this kind of humanizing factor in a locker room, a guy after a tough loss that would, you know, say something stupid or funny and people would be like an air of levi- levity there. And then you... Dario is also a mean motherfucker when he wanted to be. Yeah, and, so, and like, you, that you dude's lost, got an edge. You lost two huge culture guys and you brought in Jimmy, who, you know, I loved on the court, but obviously had culture issues with both Ben and Brett. So you're taking out the two biggest factors there adding in to someone's point of view at negative and then that guy leaves it leaves a sour taste you bring in a guy who plays the same position as your best player and things just spiral into shit from there here's what i would say about the jimmy factor though and like i i was never like super pro jimmy i like i think he's a great player but i understand the reservations people have about him i almost think that the way joel and ben are built that they might need that exact personality and like i yeah. darian and i one night the the night that joel and shake got into it darian made a comment on twitter something to the effect of like you know if you've never gotten into it with your homies like that playing sports or playing basketball or whatever like you're not really friends and like there's truth to that and the fact that like you know, Tobias Harris is probably the most vocal guy in the locker room at this point and yeah. was a great leader in terms of the like the social justice stuff and bringing people together. And that is one type of leader. I don't think they have the guy who's like, fuck this shit. I got this or like we got to pick it up or like is going to challenge people like the whole reason that that Brett Brown confrontation with Jimmy got leaked last year is like. Jimmy spoke up in a meeting and there was some like, you know, it was a little heated and maybe more heated than is typical with this group because some of them are just not big talkers. Joel, much to people, a lot of people would be surprised to know he's a big introvert. Like other than the press conferences and the Twitter stuff, he does keep to himself and play video games and like hang out with his girlfriend. And Ben keeps a very close circle and it's like they're kind of walled off in that way. People like that, I, like I do wonder if Jimmy is the type of guy they actually needed, and I wonder if, you know, it's going to be hard to find a guy who is number one wired like that and number two talented enough to justify it and sort of move this team forward. Well, that could also come from the coach too, because I mean, I remember yeah. earlier earlier this year, Ben even said it in an interview, like he needs somebody. He said it. He said, "I need somebody that's going to challenge me to be better." I mean, you don't honestly want to hear that from you know your star, but it's just it's just what what's needed in basketball. Everybody's not wired the same way. Some people need um, negativity or something to push. Somebody needs somebody else to push them in different ways. Everybody's brain works differently. Everybody's competitive competitiveness works differently. So it's just I don't know how Joel works. I don't know if he, like he gets if you if he gets mad if you yell at him. I don't know how he works honestly. I know how Ben is because he he literally said it. But I do think you need people like that in the locker room. And I don't think the Sixers have that in anybody to like rile up the locker room and like almost get into fights and like really push each other 
Well, we we have a, a like the, the story Kyle just referenced, like with with Jimmy and and Brett. Like we have a very weird locker room because even when that story leaked, Jimmy was like, "Yeah, um, <laughs> I think he like kind of low key like threw TJ under the bus. Like TJ had some issues like that he didn't want to speak up on. So I'll speak <laughs> up, I'll speak up for him. Like and like if TJ, a guy who has a great relationship with Brett, doesn't feel like he has you know um, the enough goodwill to speak up, then there's definitely some internal issues. Um, and that's probably why, you know, TJ felt comfortable moving on, why Jimmy felt comfortable moving on. He's like, that's just a, we have a very weird culture. Um, and then it's one that's hard to buy into. It's tough because I feel like this is it's a one, one in a million thing. Like nobody's ever done this process thing and then like try to transfer, try to um, move on as quickly as we have. Like gone, we went from losing to winning overnight, like 50 games. So it's just very, very, very weird. So I will say to circle back to something Cliff said earlier about, you know, how Tatum and Brown maybe are not didn't come in as like these no doubt stars or whatever. I think something that we probably have to think about as like an effect of the process is that when Joel comes in here, especially his rookie year, he's like the fucking king of everything. And when Ben comes in and they all of a sudden win 50 games and he's as good as he was down the stretch of that year, it's like. Well, now they have all the power in the organization, essentially. And there's not that they didn't have to fight for minutes. They didn't have to fight for having a say and prominence in the organization. It's like, you know, part of it's just that they were that good right away and they deserved that a level of authority. But part of that is like some of the stuff that I think was dismissed during the process of like having the vets around that not necessarily that they need guidance in terms of, you know, playing but the stuff that's like learning the ropes and making that climb up the ladder to go from you're this unpolished prospect into like a star superstar level player. And, you know, I, I wonder about that sometimes if maybe there was some truth to that stuff. Now, I obviously I'm not like anti the process or any of that stuff, but like that stuff you have to think about with how they've sort of plateaued at this point. Is Kyle saying the process didn't work? <laughs> you want to know my column the the process the process worked management ruined it the organization ruined it think of how much better a team we could have been this year if we didn't sign Al Horford to 109 million dollars and you can stop right there you can stop right there <laughs> that's it if you don't sign if they out, sign Ken Birch for six million dollars over two years they would team. be in a better position which he is surprisingly a really good defensive big man I didn't notice the How magic looked great today sweet. and i was like man these guys are like really getting into their sets they have like seven healthy players i saw vucevic get three easy layups without ever putting the ball on the ground he didn't even have to bring it down to his waist he just caught it laid the ball up i was like wow and b and b has to work for every single basket and that pisses me all like brett has no creativity of how to get him the ball without just dumping it to him in the post so I want to ask you three while I have all of you. Do you have, like, is there a number one coach that you would want brought in if 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 indeed Brett is gone? Like, it, who is at the top of the list? So I don't have one. And so I said this last pod. I'm kind of over the carousel of, like, the coaches that just hop from team to team to team like you, that you see in the NBA. You yeah. see it a lot in the NFL. Uh, like, these tri- like, Tibbs had no business getting another job. Like, I, 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 I'm over <laughs> that that type of coach i i'm not opposed to like the way nick nurse was had come up like through the through the ranks a, a nobody type coach knows his stuff 
um, and can kind of just build fresh. And he doesn't have a, a, a set type of culture. He can build a new culture with the group, this group of guys, with Ben and Embiid. So that's kind of where my head is at. I don't have a guy or a girl um, that I'm interested in bringing to, to Philly for if we get rid of Brett. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not opposed to what Darian's talking about. I'm not, I'm not a cl- opposed to a journeyman, not a journeyman coach, but you know, someone that has been. Someone that's had opportunities before. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not completely opposed to it. I do want a new face, but it, it's hard to, you know, like I said on the pod, like it's hard to scout coaches and assistant coaches. Like, I don't know if you like have yeah, a better no, opportunity. It, it, even for me, like being around these guys, like you, they, they sort of hide what everyone's doing. Like the Sixers yeah. are actually pretty transparent about it, but I would say across the league, a lot of teams are pretty like sometimes. And do you guys remember when Brian Shaw was like the big hot coaching yeah. candidate and then yeah. he got his chance and he was terrible. Yeah. I, I think a lot of times when you hear assistants names come up, it's almost a bad thing because people within the organization are trying to like, Oh yeah, we'll pump up his value. And meanwhile, it's like, He's not actually that good. So I, I think there's always some gamesmanship there. So I I've, I totally hear what you're saying. There's, it's hard to know with a lot of these guys. Yeah, so I'm like, you know, I'm not like opposed to like, – I'm not opposed to Jason Kidd. Like I'm hell, like I'm not no. I don't I don't really know. <laughs> Darian had a, a visceral reaction to that. <laughs> like, I'm not I'm really not opposed to Jason Kidd. Like his time his time with the he like I said he pretty much made Giannis and you know his time with the Nets they were in retirement. Did you see Giannis today? The Greek look, Eric Dam Greek Eric Dam period. <laughs> we don't need to talk about it. Someone called him Feta World Peace on Twitter today. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Wait, but, so um, let me ask you this real quick, Cliff, while it's on my mic. I know I'm gonna forget it. So I feel like the Celtics and the Raptors obviously play Joel and be the best out of any team. They know how to defend him like they can do it in their sleep. Um but the drop coverage, you tweeted about it. Daniel Theus is basically playing fullback. Cool. Oh, my um, God, bro. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, they're not calling this as a moving screen? Maybe because it happens in the restricted area. But the guy clipped at like at least like a two minutes and 20, 20 seconds worth. Of the Daniel Theus just kind of lead blocking um, and blocking out. It was a handful of uh, handful of times Joel couldn't get to, to recover because Theus is literally boxing him out before the shot even goes up. How the fuck is that not illegal? Because he, he they they hide it as him sealing, and it's not sealing. It's a moving screen. Yeah, and I and I see it all the time. Like yo, that's a moving screen. You gotta call that. Don't get me but wrong. It's genius. Do. Like that's why you know the Celtics said they take Brad Stevens over LeBron. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are some people like you know the people who think they're way too smart about basketball. will call that like oh he's rescreening. He's a really good rescreener. It's like. That's not what's happening, here. and that like that'd be like going back and watching uh, Kevin Garnett in his prime. He's a great rescreener. It's like no, nah, bro. He's he's sticking his fucking leg out. What are you stopping about? his man from getting back to recover. Like it's so like it's obvious. Like, I don't care what you're trying to call it, but it's, yeah, it's illegal. I had but to bring as, that up. But as back oh um sorry, but back to the back to the coaching thing. Top of my top of my list would probably be I like Becky Hammond a lot for no reason at all. I don't know what she does good. I just <laughs> I would just, you know, I'll be cool with it, Jay Wright. But again, like you know, I just don't know. So it's like, I cool, just have a new just preference for X's and O's. Just some new X's and O's. Somebody yeah, yeah. that can scheme and beat open, um, a little bit different from what we're doing now. Seamus, you got a name for us? I don't have a name, but you would think 
it's too obvious to say like, oh, they should find the next Nick Nurse. Like, no shit, every team should find the next Nick Nurse. But <laughs> right. instead of going the, the route of maybe specifically a player development coach like Brett specifically was, or, you know, the as as uh, Darian alluded to, the carousel coaches, you don't want maybe not Jason Kidd or Stan Van Gundy or Jeff Van Gundy or those people. You know, someone like Becky Hammond. <laughs> no like, Van Gundys. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I not. like Becky Hammond. I would just want someone who, you know, maybe hasn't really gotten a chance to shine yet as a head coach and assistant coach even if he's he or she is someone that's been around a while but just someone who has a clue of what kind of offense or stylistically type of basketball the Sixers want to run because as we said earlier they don't have a style they don't have any pizzazz to them they're a blank slate on offense with ill-fitting parts so I would like to see someone with you know come to their you know meeting with Joshua Harris and Elton Brand pull out you know, a folder or a PowerPoint presentation and say, you know, this is actually how we're going to run an offense with these two pillars who a lot of people say are ill-fitting, but I'm actually going to make it work. So a name that hasn't come up yet that I think I've brought up to Seamus before is Ty Lu, And I wonder... Like, I wouldn't you know, hate it. So I see, I see close face. I see you down there. So um, look, I don't know too much about him, like X's and O's wise, because I think... It, at, at any point when you're coaching LeBron, it just becomes like, this is the LeBron system. And same thing with like, I don't know how to uh, compartmentalize, like how much is he actually responsible for in terms of their success? Like he had LeBron and Kyrie and Kevin Love and, and to a lesser degree, Tristan Thompson that was in like this very good defined role. And that like, I, I understand all that. I do, I have read and I have heard all sorts of stuff about him like, being willing to challenge LeBron in practice and like having like, like taken a hard line stance on certain guys. And so I wonder if like it, a lot of the retread names, like Mark Jackson is like, Fuck no way. No, no, thank you. Like that type of stuff. But someone like that, where like he did win and like <laughs> has been there before. And he does have some of the traits, at least from what I can tell of the sort of, leader that i think they need now again i agree with you guys i think that they need to go with someone who is actually going to make life easier for ben and joel specifically and i don't know who that is maybe it's becky hammond obviously she gets uh, rave reviews when things come up maybe it's there are a lot of other assistants who have never gotten a shot like another clippers assistant sam cassell who was like he's a point guard during his career who i think he's well regarded but has never really gotten chances at head coaching jobs yet like i wonder what he would have to contribute so i don't i think that they should be in a frame of mind where you know you leave no stone unturned and regardless of whether it's um no name assistant or a, a retread or a carousel coach they have to take they have to listen to a lot of different people's vision that they might have for this team the hiring process should not be quick just put it no i agree i agree with kyle um i like ty i i I think the top priorities like it should be somebody who can manage personalities um and then you know challenge superstars and if you could you know manage flat world Kyrie uh (laughs) and lebron then I, i mean you're you're high up there um but one thing that gets on my nerves is like when people when you mention becky hammond they're like no i don't want anybody else from the from the cop the 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 pop coaching coaching tree like what shut because brett like shut the fuck up like that's not you how, know this how works. many people are part of that tree yeah, like, that's not how any of this works everyone like, 
They were like, I remember when, uh, you know, Okafor, Okafor shit the bed, and they were like, no more Duke prospects. I'm out on Zion. Like, that is literally not how this works. Like, it doesn't, that's not how, how this operates. Like, I, it's just, I think that's a Twitter thing. I've never heard it in a real life conversation, but. Unless it's the Eagles. Yeah. No <laughs> yeah. one from the Pac 12. Ever yeah. <laughs> again. Yeah. Hard pass. <laughs> Uh, well, so we got it. You guys have anything else before are we looking forward to uh, um, game two or just building up stomach ulcers over there? Um, looking forward to the look. We need losses. <laughs> and I, oh and man, I, I we're already wanna, in that mode. I want to make I want to make this very clear. I would not be this way if we still had Ben. But like, do I want to see some some half ass playoff run, knowing that we don't have Ben and how far are we honestly going to go with Joe? In, in this roster, not saying that because I, I believe Joe can go out there and win us a, a whole series by himself. But, like, is he gonna is he good enough to where he can win a championship by himself? No one's that good, and this roster doesn't help him. So it's like, let's just get let's get this over with so we can get to the firing <laughs> coach <laughs> so we can, and we can really look at what we're going to do in the offseason because we have no money. We can't re-sign Alec Burks, who is our Allen Iverson right now because – Everybody else can't put the ball between their legs, so it's like. <laughs> so it's like, um, what, like, I want to. I just want to. Like, what are we gonna do in the offseason? Because I generally have no idea. I personally think we actually might win game two. I'm not that impressed by the Celtics. Oh, it, no. has, it has nothing to do with with the Sixers. I think we're trash. I just don't think the Celtics are that good. Um, I don't know. I, I just wasn't impressed by that game. Like we were up right after you know Al let out that Velociraptor esque scream. Which was like just swaggerless, by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, we were up three, going and you know going into the fourth quarter or something like that, right? We had a, we had a solid lead, so I'm, not, I'm just not I'm not sold on the Celtics. But I mean, if we get swept, I wouldn't be surprised either. I'm actually going to be on the, the fan cam for Game Four, so Ooh, I feel like they I feel like they set me up. <laughs> I feel like they set me up because it's going to be like we're either going to either the know, elimination game. Yeah, it's going to be an elimination <laughs> game, and I'm just going to be like. Uh, have a stale ass face the entire time, or you know, we'll we'll actually win a game. But I have I have, I told Seamus this before we did the pod. I have zero expectations for this for this uh, this series. I have no idea what's going to happen. Well, Seamus is already in Flyers mode. He's got a Flyers hat on <laughs> as we speak. So Bro, I think I, I know I his thoughts the only on this good series. Team in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> I admit I'm a band. Like I I want it from a civic pride aspect more so than you know I'm this person who's labored watching the Flyers for years and years. I feel like I feel like once like if you're in Philly, you like a Philly sports team, you can't bandwagon another team because like you're like automatic unless you're like a, which is weird like a Cowboys fan, which is I don't know how people do that. But well, it's not like I was a you know a Rangers fan. And yeah. Like, now, like yeah, so it's like whatever. Like yeah, I know, don't think you can- I have. I have friends who love the Flyers as much as I love the Eagles, and I won't have that, you know, like cathartic experience that would happen when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. But you know, some of my boys might, and you know, I might just watch some entertaining hockey along the way. So fuck it, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, so, it, it's something on TV. At least. Right. You can't some, bandwagon. You some, can't bandwagon the team of your city. You can't. It's yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I guess unless anybody's got anything else, that's probably a wrap for the first ever combination podcast an idea that will surely be stolen by some company with a lot more money and better lawyers than we have access to but uh but uh i appreciate cliff and darian hopping on with seamus and i appreciate everybody listening and uh hopefully we'll get to do this again soon jalen hurts qb1
Oh my god. <laughs> oh no. Edit that out, please. <laughs> what a way to end it. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action in spite of how bad the Phillies bullpen has been, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.